Hey everyone, just two quick announcements before the episode begins. We're almost at 500 followers on the podcast Instagram page, so I'm going to be doing a giveaway through Instagram pretty soon, so make sure you follow the page to get any announcements on that. Also, I'm going to be doing a live interview this week, Thursday, July 29th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can listen in live, ask questions in chat, and get them answered in real time. But if you can't make it, don't worry. I'm going to be recording the episode and I'll post it like a regular podcast episode. But for now, these interviews are not going to interfere with any regularly timed episodes. All right, that's all. So let's go ahead and start this week's episode of Narcosis Into the Deep. On February 17, 2015, an introductory dive on the Great Barrier Reef in Australia seemed to be going as planned until the body of one of the students was found on the seafloor at about 36 feet or 11 meters underwater. What happened to 23-year-old Bethany Farrell? Find out on this week's episode of Narcosis Into the Deep. Hi everyone, I'm your host Alex and welcome back to Narcosis Into the Deep. This week we discuss the tragic death of Bethany Farrell and how her instructors let her down. I'll also be going over some new diving terminology and techniques in this episode, as well as what introductory scuba diving is and how you can protect yourself if you ever choose to try it. On February 17, 2015, while taking a gap year, 23-year-old Bethany Farrell went scuba diving with her friends in Blue Pearl Bay off of Queensland Hayman Island in Australia. Just days into their Australia trip, tragedy struck when Bethany was found dead. According to the Telegraph, quote, at some point, the diving instructor lost sight of Bethany, then realized she could not locate her, returned the other student to the surface, sought help, and went back down, presumably with other people to help, and they found Bethany dead at 11 meters or 36 feet down, end quote. After resuscitation was unsuccessful, Bethany was declared dead at the scene and her body was sent for an autopsy. According to the coroner's report, Bethany had, quote, arrived in Australia about six days prior to the incident, she traveled to Arley Beach, Sundays, Queensland, and booked a three-day, three-night sailing, diving, and snorkeling trip with two of her friends on the vessel Wings 3, which is a tourist activity sailing catamaran, end quote. If you've ever been on a charter boat, whether it's for scuba diving, snorkeling, or just for sailing, you'll be aware of the fact that crew members often conduct a starting headcount, give introductions, and then also cover a safety and housekeeping briefing. Typically, the safety briefing refers to the vessel, what to do in the event of emergency, and where emergency equipment can be found, like life jackets and fire extinguishers. After a general safety briefing was given to the 28 paying passengers, those who were interested in an introductory scuba dive were taken aside to conduct a dive briefing. Of the 28 people on board, only seven, including Bethany and two of her friends, wished to take an introductory dive. The dive briefing consisted of a flip chart with diagrams and brief information. The dive instructor, Fiona McTavish, demonstrated certain equipment during this briefing on the boat. 
However, the coroner, Magistrate David O'Connell, notes in his report that this is, quote, hardly a classroom-like setting as there are a number of distractions around them such as ambient noise from other persons, the action of the vessel, and scenery as they traveled. What is clear is that it was simply a brief practical presentation. There were certainly no practical skills assessed at this time. It was never suggested, indeed it was abundantly clear, that there was no in-depth imparting of knowledge at this time. Once the vessel arrived at Blue Pearl Bay, it tied up to a dedicated mooring buoy provided, and the introductory divers were taken to the beach area in their diving gear. Near the beach, accessed through the tender channel, they entered roughly waist to chest deep water from the tender. There, the introductory divers conducted certain elementary or practical diving skills. The skills conducted were to clear the mask, clear the regulator, and recover the regulator. Bethany had difficult on her first attempt clearing her regulator, so she stood up. She had success on her second occasion. This 50% success rate hardly inspires confidence that the skills had been appropriately learned so that it can be done in a moment of heightened anxiety. There was no suggestion that an introductory diver was properly instructed about achieving and maintaining positive buoyancy on the surface. End quote. In simpler terms, the very limited, distracted settings these passengers were in, in the coroner's opinion, were not sufficient enough to train and assess each individual's understanding and skills required for scuba diving. The coroner also noted in his report that another passenger, Miss Kanzu, attended the scuba diving briefing and introductory dive, although she had specifically advised that she had no swimming ability. The ship's log also noted that Kanzu was, quote, no swim and ESW, end quote, meaning extra surface watch. The coroner notes, quote, Somehow, and it leaves me baffled, the tour operator thought that an introductory dive was an appropriate water activity for Miss Zhu, end quote. In the report, positive and negative buoyancy are noted multiple times, and this, along with the, quote, serious shortcomings, end quote, and how the dive was conducted, is considered to be the main cause of Bethany's death. But before we go any further, let's quickly discuss what positive, negative, and neutral buoyancy is in simple terms. Buoyancy determines whether an object will sink or float. Positive buoyancy means that the object, or in this case the person, floats. Negative buoyancy means that the object or person sinks. Neutral buoyancy is what all divers attempt to reach during their dive. It's when your density or weight matches the upward pressure of the fluid around you and you're able to maintain the depth you want without any adjustments, like kicking your fins or inflating or deflating your BC, which is your buoyancy compensator. If you recall to one of my earlier episodes, the BC or buoyancy compensator is the vest that you see divers wearing. It connects to the air tank that divers carry with them, and you're able to inflate it and deflate this vest to control your buoyancy, hence the name. In Bethany Farrell's case, she was having positive buoyancy issues, meaning that she kept drifting towards the surface of the water even though she was attempting to stay down. 
Because of this, the instructor placed a 3 pound or 1.5 kilogram weight in her pocket of her BC to help create negative buoyancy. The coroner notes in his report, quote, I was told by a number of witnesses that with introductory divers, it is perceived that the greatest risk is that they ascend to the surface too quickly, so introductory divers are deliberately established with a negative buoyancy. This alone is a compelling reason why instructors need to be within arm's reach of introductory divers as they are deliberately weighted so that they sink." End quote. After initiating the dive, Kanzu began experiencing issues clearing her ears as they descended, so the instructor Fiona took her back to the charter vessel. It's not ideal that the instructor was separated from two of her introductory divers, but at this time, no incident occurred. Once Kanzu was returned safely to the boat, Fiona rejoined with her students and the dive continued. But as the dive continued, Fiona and two of her students came across the path of another diving group, and there was a moment where it seemed some of the divers became confused as to which group to follow. Fiona then decided to take a different route than usual for her introductory dives. Quote, the instructor was adopting her usual practice of swimming backwards in a slightly seated position so that she could see her introductory divers behind her. The particular benefit of this practice was that so she could see the faces to assess any degree of anxiety or panic. It was said that it's considered an acceptable practice in good visibility conditions." End quote. However, on this day, the visibility conditions, as assessed by multiple witnesses, were noted as poor or very poor. Visibility was only 3 to 5 meters, or 9.8 feet to 16 feet. Since Fiona had taken a different route than normal, she had to turn over for a second to navigate around the coral reef. Per Fiona, she looked forward for about 10 seconds, and when she turned back around to face her students, she only saw one and could not locate Bethany. The instructor then immediately commenced to retrace her steps to look around for Bethany. She looked up but could not see her. She then thought that Bethany may have followed the other dive group, so she swam quickly with her other student, Miss Clark, behind her to that group but could not locate Bethany there. She then went to the surface with Miss Clark, and the dive computer profile gives a time for how long the instructor was searching underwater as between two minutes to four minutes. According to Bethany's dive computer, she was at a depth of about 7.1 to 7.3 meters, or 23.3 to 24 feet, when it's reasonable to assume she realized she was separated from her instructor. She then begins to ascend quickly back to the surface, and per the report, quote, Clearly, it was not a planned, controlled ascent, but demonstrated diver panic or emergency with an urgency or soul focus to reach the surface, end quote. According to her dive computer, she was at the surface for a little over 40 seconds. At this time, passengers of the surrounding charter vessels described hearing a diver call out in panic or distress and even saw the diver waving their arms in distress. The skipper who was allegedly conducting surface watch from the charter vessel that Bethany had arrived on, the Wings 3, neither heard nor saw her while she was at the surface. From this point on, the coroner's report goes over witness testimonies on where they were and what they saw or did after Bethany had breached the surface and was in an obvious state of distress. 
Although there were somewhat conflicting reports, it appears as though some of the experienced divers swam to the area that Bethany had breached and began searching for her, but was unable to locate her. Fiona and two other divers then began searching further below the surface, and after an hour in the very poor visibility, Bethany was found on the seafloor at 11 meters or 36 feet. Bethany's mask was missing, her regulator was not in her mouth, her weight belt was still on, she still had that extra weight in her BC that Fiona had given her, and one of her fins was missing. All attempts to revive Bethany were unsuccessful. In April of 2015, one of Bethany's friends left a review for the company on TripAdvisor. Titled, We Lost Our Friend on This Boat, the review reads, quote, What was supposed to be a dream trip turned into the worst possible nightmare. We will not go into detail about what happened, but we would like to address the way the crew dealt with the situation. All passengers were locked in downstairs without being told what had happened, including myself and my friend, even when we were directly involved. The boat then traveled back to Arley, a three-hour return. We were put up in a hotel room for one night courtesy of the wings, and we were told the other passengers were having accommodations organized for them. This, however, seemed not to be the case. Having spoken to several people on board, they were given the option to stay aboard the boat in the harbor or to find themselves a place to stay at 10 o'clock at night. A full refund was given, but Wings did not make an effort to contact the other passengers or us after the event. We got in contact with Wings solely because they had pictures their staff had taken of the three of us before the dive. Wings deleted these pictures to make way for pictures for their next trip despite the likelihood of police wanting those pictures as evidence. Wings have made no effort in contacting our friend's family to express their condolences. We feel they are an absolute disgrace. We would not recommend this company to anyone. We gave a one-star meeting terrible, but in truth they deserved less, much less." End quote. Another review left by another passenger on this trip who was not one of Bethany's two friends confirms what the other review stated. Nora Kay's review states that, quote, The girl who had the accident was found dead, and what's worse is that I now know they had deleted all the pictures that had been taken on the boat before they could give it to the girl's family or police. This is destruction of evidence, and I want to make sure that Wings does not get away with this, end quote. This erasing of evidence or deleting pictures raises suspicions for some people. If the charter had nothing to hide, why delete the photos before they can make their way into the hands of family members or authorities? However, I would like to emphasize that when these photos were deleted was not specified in any of the sources that I could find. The two reviews that were left on TripAdvisor discussing the deleted photos were submitted in April 2015 two months after the incident occurred. If authorities or family members had not come to claim these photos after a few weeks, I can find some understanding on why the photos were deleted. But at the same time, when such a tragic event occurred, shouldn't these photos be retained? Oftentimes, investigations can take a year or two, so to erase them after only a few weeks doesn't make sense, to me at least. The coroner's report notably mentions that the skipper, Steve Croucher, 
employee Pete Hall, and dive instructor Fiona McTavish may have committed offenses under workplace legislation. The Queensland Office of Industrial Relations prosecuted Wings Diving Adventures after admitted to breaching its duties under the Safeties and Recreational Water Activities Act. However, a spokesperson for the Office of Industrial Relations stated, quote, In the coroner's findings, he formed the opinion that certain individuals may have committed offenses under workplace legislation and, accordingly, referred the matter to Office of Industrial Relations. The Office of Industrial Relations subsequently reviewed the matter and determined not to commence a prosecution of individuals as the review determined that there was no reasonable prospect of conviction, end quote. The Department of Public Prosecutions and the Office of Work, Health, and Safety both reviewed the case and also determined that there was no reasonable prospect of a conviction. Bethany's parents were left understandably devastated by the incident. After multiple departments shot down any prospect of prosecution, Bethany's parents wrote a detailed written complaint to the Australian Ombudsman outlining what they believe is evidence of their daughter being failed by individuals during the dive. They commented, quote, I do not accept there is no proof of evidence of these failures. I believe the facts speak for themselves. These two duty holders individually held very clear and documented sole responsibilities, end quote. The two people Bethany's parents refer to in this written complaint is the dive instructor Fiona McTavish and the skipper Steve Croucher, who was on duty for surface watch when Bethany breached the surface in distress. To this day, no arrests or convictions have been made in the death of Bethany Farrell. During my research, I went onto the Wings website and found that they appear to no longer offer diving services. Their old Facebook page, Wings Diving, is still up, although it hasn't been updated since 2010, and the website linked on the page, whitsundaydive.com.au, is no longer in service. Bethany's death was tragic and highlights just how dangerous diving can be for someone with no experience. However, with that being said, I would like to emphasize that introductory diving, when performed under the correct conditions, is a great way for non-divers to experience what scuba diving is. Introductory diving, also known as trial diving or resort diving, is an opportunity for interested people to find out by practical experience at a relatively low cost if they would be interested in a greater involvement in scuba diving. Participants learn the basic minimum safety guidelines and skills needed to dive under direct supervision of a diving professional. If an open water dive is included, a few more basic skills will be practiced in confined water, and the course includes introduction to the scuba equipment used to dive and how to move around underwater using the equipment, breathing underwater on open circuit scuba and how to avoid barrow trauma, learning some key skills that are used during every scuba dive, swimming around and exploring within the limits of the program and local environment, and finally, information on how to enroll in a training course to become a certified entry-level recreational scuba diver. If you ever find yourself wanting to partake in an introductory dive, I do highly recommend them. 
It's a great way to see if you find scuba diving interesting before investing a ton of money and time into it. However, with that being said, it's important to remember your own personal limits and comfort levels. If you ever feel uncomfortable or feel as though the instructor is pushing you through this information, especially safety or technique information too fast, don't be afraid to walk away. If you feel like you're not understanding the information or you're unable to perform the skills required like clearing your mask or finding your regulator, don't be afraid to walk away. It's always possible for you to try an introductory dive again at a later time if you choose to walk away. That might not be the case if you push your own personal limits and comfort levels and go diving anyway. Always listen to your gut and keep your own personal safety as your number one priority. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Narcosis Into the Deep. I'm your host, Alex, and if you have any questions about this week's episode, you can head over to the Instagram page at NarcosisPod or the Discord server. If you want to support the podcast, there's always Patreon or sharing the podcast with a friend. The Patreon is just $3 a month or the price of one coffee, and you get access to a lot of perks such as voting on what to hear next, exclusive updates, a shout-out at the end of the next episode, and 10% off podcast merchandise. Thank you so much to my newest patrons, Stephanie S., Alexander T., and Red Fox. You guys are awesome, and thank you so much for supporting the podcast. You guys really have no idea how much it means to me, and I'm so happy that you're here enjoying the podcast. Thank you all so much, and I will see you next week. Bye.